Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. Hey, before I get into the show, I'd like to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who is listening and has listened to the show. Last week, uh, in our week here in this, this particular podcast world is from Wednesday to Wednesday, we had the best week we have ever had in number of listens to the show. Also, for the last month so far, uh, we have increased about, well, actually over 300%. So thank you very much for listening to the show and supporting the show. And if you wanted to help the show, to support it even more, to help the show grow, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a comment review. What do you think of the show? Um, of course, if it's good, put it in there. If it's bad, hey, let's talk. <laughs> Politics and brown liquor at gmail.com or the PBL podcast at gmail com, But please do rate us a five-star rate us. Please do give us a, a comment so we can help propel the show, grow the show, because having a lot of fun doing the show. And appreciate all the kind words that I'm getting from everybody and the feedback, et cetera, et cetera. Also, if you want to help move the show forward and help support the show financially, go to patreon.com slash the PBL podcast and you can buy a membership for as little as a dollar a month a dollar a month that's twelve dollars a year and you can help support the pbl podcast now if you wanted to pitch in some more by all means we have several levels of memberships and for your money you're going to get content that is only available at patreon and of course videos of the show if you want to see my mug Ooh, i don't know about that but anyway Let's get on with the show. This podcast is being recorded on a Thursday. So this is Thirsty Thursday. So first segment of the show, we're going to do some quick takes. And then we're going to talk about alcohol and politics and popular culture and all that. You know, that's always going to be a fun topic because once you add alcohol, look out, people. So let's get on with the show. First off, you probably have seen this video of Biden. The other day, he was being interviewed by um, Errol Barnett of CBS News. And Errol Barnett asked Biden if he had taken a cognitive test. Now, because Trump has taken a cognitive test. Now, Trump has talked about the test. He has said that he has passed it spectacularly. Uh, Chris Wallace, when in the interview, they talked about the test. And Chris Wallace said he also took the test and it wasn't a hard test. And Trump, you know, basically said Biden, if he takes the test, he couldn't, he couldn't pass the test. So this interviewer, um, <clears throat> Errol Barnett, asked Biden if he had taken the test. Now, you may have seen this or heard this clip already, but there's something that Biden said in this clip, to me at least, that was extremely telling. Now, forget the fact that he gets very 
or defensive about this, right? We know when people are defensive that they may not be telling the truth or they may be trying to divert attention, right? But there's something Biden said in this clip that, again, is extremely telling. So let's listen. Have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump who brags about his test and makes your mental state an issue for voters? Well... If he can't figure out the difference between an elephant and a lion, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Did you watch that? Look, come on, man. I, I, I know you're trying to goad me, but I mean, I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There are going to be plenty of time. And by the way, as I joke with him, you know, it, I, I shouldn't say it. I'm going to say something I don't I, I probably shouldn't say. Anyway. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. So you can't even get that last part out. Now here's the telling part. Now, interesting that he brings up cocaine. I know a lot of people are saying that he accused the um, interviewer of <laughs> being a junkie. I'm not sure I buy into that, but it's interesting he brings up cocaine. You know, his son had a cocaine habit pretty well-documented cocaine habit. In fact, the son was drummed out of the military for his cocaine habit. But he said something in this clip, to me at least, is very, very telling. He said about Trump, if he can't tell the difference between a lion and an elephant, okay, that's in the test. You know, if you go back and you look at the Chris Wallace interview with Donald Trump, they show that lion and the elephant, that page with the lion and elephant on it. That's in the test. Ladies and gentlemen, Biden took this test, and my guess is that he failed spectacularly, and they cannot release the results. You know, forget the fact that he gets so defensive about this, but that he brought up that line and elephant line. I'm sorry, that's telling. To me, that just tells me he took the test. He failed the test. If he didn't fail the test, well, we'd all know about it. If he did pass the test spectacularly, we'd all know about it. Now, of course, you probably have already heard that back on June 30th, Biden said he's tested all the time for mental decline and looking forward for the debates. So on June 30th, he says he's tested all the time. We don't know what those tests were. And now he gets defensive about making or taking the test. But I'm telling you, that lion and elephant line, that was the big tell for me. Joe Biden's in trouble. His, his, they know it. His uh, handlers know it, the Democrats know it, and most of us know it. Now, I was debating a leftist online just yesterday about this, and I actually asked him flat out, isn't it obvious the decline in Joe Biden? If you look at any video from, say, five years ago to today, how can you not see this? And I, I said, you are enabling this man. You are part of the problem. He goes, well, how am I part of the problem? I'm not the one making the decisions. But if you are supporting him and making excuses for him, you are part of the problem. His excuse, by the way, was all he sees is an old man that's tired. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the Democrats are worried. Now, let me twist this around just a little bit. 
maybe, and I'm going to reverse this, maybe it's we who should be worried. You're thinking, what does that mean? Well, what if this is all a setup? What if Biden's doing this on purpose, that when he goes to debate Trump in September, the bar is set so low that all he has to do, and this is where my liberal leftist friend said, is have a passable performance. You know, there's some validity to that. If Biden can have a passable performance, he wins the debate. Now, the definition is of passable is debatable, right? What does passable mean? What is a passable performance? It means that all he has to do is not flub. Well, maybe not flub his words, stutter, answer coherently. It's a tall order from what we see with Biden right now. But what if they are setting the bar so low for these debates, for Biden's performance, that all he has to have is a passable performance. He could completely screw up. He can completely sound like the, the incoherent lunatic that he is. But if it's passable, he wins debate. Now, again, that's a tall order. It's a very tall order. But is that what they're doing? Are they setting this up to, bar, to have that bar so low for Biden and these debate, debate performances, that that's passable? I don't know. I mean, uh, if, if what we see on the surface is true, if we, this, this decline that we have seen in Joe Biden's cognitive abilities right now, if, if this is really what it is, I don't know how he has a passable performance, but I know that one thing, that if these debates happen, uh, the ratings are going to be off the charts. And right now, the Democrats and the Democrat media, which are the same thing, are trying to set a bar so low and trying to set it up as a, to try to set up some type of exit strategy for him not to do these baits because Trump lies so much. Trump lies so much. Because there's even a report that I read that one person suggests that they had a fact checker during the debate. That's right. You heard that? A fact checker during the debate so they can fact check Trump, not Biden. Biden makes all kind of crazy outlandish uh, accusations and statements, but they want to have a fact checker during the debate for Trump. Now, let's, let's talk about fact checkers. Cheryl Atkinson uh, just put out a piece or actually, she's um, um, Katie Publish put out a piece talking about Cheryl Atkinson. I know I'm very bad on names. I know Cheryl. Here's the title of the piece: Cheryl Atkinson exposes so-called fact checkers for who they really are. And it goes on. If you spend any time engaged in the media space or consuming news, you've no doubt see the phenomenon of fact checking. Now we see this. We see this with Facebook. We see this with Twitter. We're seeing it with all the social media giants now. All of a sudden, putting out fact checkers. In fact, um, Facebook for the first time I think deleted. This was the other day uh, a post from Trump because for whatever reason it didn't meet some standards. So um, the article goes on, on Twitter, so-called fact-checkers are censoring President Trump's tweet 
but allowing calls for genocide by other world leaders to stand. On Facebook, fact checkers regularly flag news articles published by conservative outlets for misinformation. You know, take this to a personal level on Twitter. Uh, I was wondering if I'm shadow banned on Twitter because the growth just seems odd. Um, and I've got a lot of followers. I put a lot of content out and I found that I'm, um, I'm flagged. Any retweet or any reply that I do goes into a show replies, show more replies box. So if you get, you ever been on, if you're on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about is you'll go through all these replies and it gets down to the end and then you get that box, show more replies. You click on that and you see more replies. How many people don't click on it? I'm, I'm listed on Twitter as quote unquote harmful content. So my tweets where I talk mainly about politics from an obvious conservative point of view, I'm, I'm, I'm not out and out shadow banned, but I'm suppressed. I think they call it boosted. So this is what the fact checkers are doing. They're doing this on all the social medias and it's from a leftist bent. So in the article it goes on, fact checkers are portrayed as non-biased arbiters of truth and respected because they work for legitimate, quote unquote, incredible mainstream, quote unquote, news outlets. But a deep dive by investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson shows what we long suspected about their bias. Now, here's from uh, Real Clear Politics, um, what Cheryl Atkinson uh, wrote. Fact-checking organizations have grappled internally with the obvious but un usually unspoken challenge in all such efforts. It is unrealistic to expect that any appointed group of fact-checkers has true expertise on all of the to topics they, they litigate, yet they do so every day. So it goes on talking about who are, are part of this. Like here, during the 2016 campaign, Alphabet was led by an ardent Hillary Clinton supporter. Uh, Alphabet is Google's parent company and campaign volunteer, executive chairman, Eric Schmidt. So Google is uh, fact-checking. Uh, they have a fact-checking nonprofit first draft. They obviously lean left. There's a Clinton, the, the, executive chairman eric schmidt is a clinton supporter and campaign volunteer now first draft is their fact checker first draft is also supported by an array of liberal companies and nonprofits, including the ford foundation and george soros's open society foundations yep george soros's name is in this as well first draft tends to fact check topics in a vein that's consistent with its major donors opinions and interest. 18 of the 20 members of Facebook's oversight board members have ties to Soros's open society foundations, which have spent billions of dollars on global initiatives aggressively advocating for the progressive side of topics ranging from immigration policy and climate to abortion, gender, and racial policies. So the fact checkers, the so-called fact checkers, the ones that they say are the legitimate fact checkers for all these social media giants, they have a leftist bias. So um, the piece goes on. This is from uh, Katie Pavlich. Uh, So-called fact checking has become so pervasive, Democrats have urged former President Joe Biden to refuse a debate with President Trump unless his statements are fact checked in real time. There it goes. So the left are monopolizing the fact checkers. 
to play to to control the narrative. Now I'm gonna, a hat tip to Dan Bongino, who uh, I listen to all the time. Uh, he often says the media are not telling you the story; they're telling you a story, and it's so true. You have to learn how to cut through the minutia and read between the lines to find out what the real story is. And most articles, by the way, if you can learn to do that, you'll find the real story in there. Uh, when I was in college, I had a professor one time who was a PR person, and what she taught me was, as well as the rest of the class, if you read any article, they'll put the real facts at the end of the article. Now, why do they do that? Because they know most people are lazy and won't finish the article. So I often say, read the beginning and the end of the article. You can go back and read the middle if you don't want to read the whole thing. But never let an article go without reading the end of it because oftentimes that's where you find the real information. So, ladies and gentlemen, this fact-checking stuff right now, we're hearing a lot of it. It is a phenomenon. It's because the left is wanting to control the narrative. If they control the facts, they control the narratives. So if they're fact-checkers, I'll agree with them and align with their ideals and their narrative – that's what we do. So they're calling for, on the debates, you're going to hear more of this, if the debates actually happen, and I'm not so sure they will. They're calling for the debates to have fact checkers during the debates. Amazing. Simply amazing. Because we, Americans, we apparently can't figure it out on our own, that the left has to tell us what to think. And then you've got Biden and his obvious cognitive decline all he has to do now is have a passable performance at the debates, and he wins the debate. Well, the jury's still out whether or not he can have a passable performance because obviously the man's cheese is sliding off that cracker. All right, let's shift gears. Let's get into, you know, I, I talk a lot about bad mayors, and I, I originally was going to have like a bad mayor series, and I started it that way, but it just keeps rolling. Like bad mayor stuff just keeps happening day in and day out. Uh, here's a headline, New York City setting up quarantine checkpoints. You may have heard this story. It came out uh, Wednesday, August 5th by Daniel Greenfield uh, in Front Page Magazine. So here it is. If you want the full escape from New York effect, you've got to have the checkpoints. Uh, New York City already has criminals running wild in the streets, so the problem with the checkpoints is that they're facing outward, but it'll easily be easy enough to turn them around so that they face inwards when the time comes. So here's what New York City has done. New York City will set up checkpoints at entry points to the city to find travelers from states with high coronavirus infection rates and order them to quarantine for two weeks, officials said Wednesday. That's an interesting statement coming from the city of New York. Uh, entry points for travelers from states with high coronavirus infection rates. Now, New York had a high coronavirus infection rate, right? But states with high. So uh, I'm thinking they're targeting Floridians. You know, a lot of people go from New York to Florida because uh, Florida, by the way, it's always a contested state in the election, in the presidential election. It's always on the bubble every single time. Florida is just always that state that nobody knows what's going to happen. You got to wait until the election results and the election results in Florida don't come re until really late because you got two time zones in Florida. 
So New York is setting up checkpoints, New York City checkpoints before you get into the city to, to, to do what? What are they going to do? They're going to uh, they're going to uh, take your temperature, ask you to cough. What? What are they going to do? So it's just amazing what they are doing because how totalitarian can you get? So now you're going to have checkpoints coming into the city. You know, there's that movie Escape from New York. Well, that's what they were talking about earlier in this article. Easy enough where they'll turn this around because New York and New York State, New York State, New York City are losing residents left and right. And by the way, this article that I'm reading uh, uh, from Front Page Magazine, Front Page Magazine, it goes on. This will mostly affect wealthier Manhattanites who fled the city during the worst of the pandemic and want to come back now. It's not like anybody else is dying to get into the city at this point. This is from the article. It goes without saying that this is meaningless. The de Blasio administration can't even put its own pants on, let alone locate travelers from other states who don't want to announce it unless they're driving out of state vehicles, uh, let alone enforce a quarantine order on them. It's contract, contact tracing operation uh, was a laughable joke. And so are these checkpoints. It's contact tracing operation. That's New York City. Uh, here's another quote from the city. The city sheriff's office will run the checkpoints and stop a random sampling of cars entering the city, uh, reminding drivers of the quarantine order and requiring them to fill out a registration form if they're coming from a high risk state. So they're going to randomly select cars and people. Um, yeah, they can't. They, they won't be able to tell what state they're coming from because they'll be driving their own vehicles uh, with New York State license plates. But here's the thing: if it's wealthier people, they're just flying in. But yeah, this is um, you know fun to be in New York City, right? And they're going to quarantine them for week, two weeks. Where do they go? What you know, the hotels in that area are going to make out like a bandit, aren't they? So this goes uh, also feeds into the state losing a lot of revenue in tax money. Yeah. That's what a lot of this feed to. Here's a story uh, that says it all. Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, uh, calls on wealthy New Yorkers to come back to the city. I'll buy you a drink. Uh, this is from uh, Fox News, and it's uh, Caitlin McFall. And the, the subheadline is, the New York governor pushes back against calls to raise taxes on the wealthy. They're not coming back. So they've lost a ton of tax revenue, a ton of tax revenue with people fleeing the state. So New York governor, this is from the article, New York governor Andrew Cuomo urged wealthy New Yorkers to return to Manhattan as the coronavirus is now under control, quote unquote, to assist the city with the financial burden caused by the pandemic. Yeah, they need money and all that tax money left the city. Many New Yorkers fled the city at the height of the pandemic. The wealthy heading to their weekend homes in the Hamptons, upstate or in Connecticut, while others rented homes outside the city, leaving thousands of apartments across the city empty. It goes on. The coronavirus has persisted for six months and is not showing any signs of easing, while a vaccine seems at least several months away. Uh, I from the article, quote, I literally talk to people all day long who are now in their Hamptons house who also lived here or in their Hudson Valley house or in their Connecticut weekend house. And I say, you got to come back. When are you coming back? Cuomo said during a press conference. 
We'll go, this is Cuomo, quote unquote, we'll go to dinner. I'll buy you a drink. Come over. I'll cook, Cuomo said, describing his pleas with the wealthy New Yorkers. They need the money. They need the money. And here's a, another quote from Cuomo. They're not coming back right now. And you know what else they're thinking? If I stay there, I pay a lower income tax because they don't pay the New York City surcharge, Cuomo said. So there you have it. Cuomo's begging people to come back because the city's running out of money. He needs that tax revenue. So you got a bad mayor, you got a bad governor, right? And then what they're going to do, what are they going to do? The, the people that left the city, oh, oh you're going to be at a checkpoint now. Well, that's inviting. That's how you get people back to your city. Well, I mean, you got de Blasio on one hand saying, we're going to set up a checkpoint for people coming from these high virus states, uh, infectious states. I don't know, was Connecticut one of those, right? And then you got the governor on the other side saying, hey, come back. We need your money. We need your money. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but come on, you know, it's like, why would anyone want to even go to New York and live in New York? Listen, I, I've been to New York several times. It's a great city, uh, except for the trash issue. I just cannot stand the trash issue in New York. If you've been to New York, you know what I mean. You walk in those the giant sidewalks, which I love, by the way, because I like to walk. But they put their trash bags, black trash bags, out on the curb for pickup, and they'll sometimes be taller than I am. I mean, who wants to walk by that? That's, I, mean, I don't know if they still do that in New York. Somebody let me know. You can email me at the pblpodcast at gmail.com. But I always have despised that about New York City. I love the energy. I love the vibe. I love the food. Great food in New York. But man, politics-wise, I'd never go back. I would, I'd never live there. I used to live in the Bay Area, and I love the Bay Area. But politics-wise, what's going on in that area? I wouldn't go back. I mean, these, these elected officials, these Democrats, are ruining these wonderful states and these beautiful cities. You know, de Blasio, I think, is the second worst mayor in Atlanta. The, or, I'm sorry, not Atlanta, in the United States. The first worst mayor would be Lightfoot out of Chicago. That's my opinion. I mean, a lot of people debate it and say de Blasio is the worst mayor. That man was elected three times. He's terminally, but he can't run again. Three times New York City residents put that, that man in office. Just crazy that we get the government we deserve and we keep bringing them back, back, and back. And let's go to another bad mayor, L.A. L.A., here's this headline. This is from the New York Post. Uh, Vincent Barone, L.A. mayor threatens to cut off water power after Beverly Hills bash. So here's what happened in L.A. They, you know, they've shut down the bars and all the nightclubbing and yada, yada, yada to control the virus. So people are having house parties. So what the L.A. mayor is talking about is he's threatening to shut off water and power to any business or residences found to be hosting massive parties during the coronavirus pandemic. So I, I, this is crazy. Here goes on for the article. The warning from Mayor Eric Garcetti is a direct response to reports of trendy Beverly Hills bashes that have been thrown this summer where revelers flout social distancing and mask wearing guidelines. While we... Mayor Garcetti goes on, while we have already closed all nightclubs and bars, these large house parties have essentially become nightclubs in the hills. Many times the homes are vacant or used for short-term rentals. So, you know, people want to gather. People want to have fun. But if this mayor catches you doing it, he's going to cut off your power. He's going to cut your water off. So you're not having fun in L.A. You might as well just grin and bear it because it ain't happening. You are toast. All right. Well, <laughs> I tell you, we have got to wake up 
and stop electing these Democrats. Show me a city that's ran by a Democrat that's run well, and uh, I, I'll eat my hat. I mean, it's just absolutely obvious to me. You know, there's so much that we should be fed up with in this country. Here's another article. Uh, this is from uh, AmericaWeTalk.org. AmericanWeTalk.org. Uh, this is posted the other day. And here's a headline, August 5th. So many hoaxes. Americans are fed up. Are we? I don't think we're fed up enough because we're allowing this to go on. And here are the hoaxes they talk about. The Russian collusion hoax. Uh, it goes on the most monumental official deceit and abuse of power in the history of America and maybe in recorded history. Hey, I saw something the other day that so far Russia has donated zero dollars to reelect Donald Trump or even zero dollars to a 2016 effort. But the Russian government or Russians have donated one hundred and forty five million dollars to the Clinton Foundation back in the day. But yet. We're supposed to believe this Russian collusion hoax. Right, right, right. Here's another hoax. Pandemic 2020 looks more and more like another hoax. You know, famously, Trump's people are saying Trump said it was a hoax. He never said that. He said the way the media is portrayed is a hoax. But this pandemic's looking more like either a pandemic or a scamdemic as the days go by. How long are we going to put up with this? You know, another hoax, the Black Lives Matters, Antifa riots. Come on. Antifa. Let's talk about TV. I, I heard this the other day and listened to another uh, pundit hat tip to Eric Erickson is that Antifa stands for anti-fascist. But if you go back and you do some research on this, the, you know, back in World War II, the Italians were fascist, Nazi, Nazism was, you know, uh, more socialist. Right. And then you have Russia who is communist. Well, the, the, the communists hate the fascists. So Hitler was fascist, Russia was communist. Well, they didn't like each other. They didn't believe in their government system was the right, their other, they didn't believe the other government system was the right when they believed theirs was. So the fascists hate the communists, the communists hate the fascists. So the communists were anti-fascists. Antifa doesn't speak to everyone, you know, being that they're against communism. It's like they're against fascism. And fascism, the difference between communism and fascism is out and out total control communism controls everything fascism you know businesses still get to control some of what they do and own some of what they are but that's what the antifa crowd is all against they are out and out communists so this whole antifa movement is nothing but a fraud and nothing but a front for communism they just want government to control everything and the black lives matters well the founders were Marxists. They're admitted Marxists. And they have done nothing to help the black community. Nothing. In fact, since they've started this, and it was started on a false premise, the Trayvon Martin shooting, it was started that that was a, a wrongful shooting, and it was not. A jury of George Zimmerman's peers said so. So, the BLM Antifa riots, and they are riots in most cases. You've got some protesters out there, but those are the useful idiot sheep. They don't know what they're doing, but there are riots, out-and-out -out riots. Contrary to what Jerry Nadler says, they are, it is not a made-up thing. The riots are actually happening. But the BLM and Antifa people are not good actors. They're bad actors. So those are, those are some of the things. Are we fed up? Do we have enough of this? Is, 
when is, when is it going to change? Well, here's a couple of things. This is from Front Page Magazine. Insights to consider before November, published August 4th by Anonymous. All right? Things to consider before we go into the election. Women are upset at Trump's naughty words, but yet they bought 80 million copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. Not one feminist has defended Sarah Sanders. It seems women's rights only matters if those women are liberal. We've all seen that. Uh, no border wall, no voter ID laws. Did you figure it out yet? But wait, there's more. Okay. Chelsea Clinton got out of college and got a job at NBC that paid her $900,000 a year. And her mom flies around the country speaking about white privilege. Uh, and President Trump wall costs less than Obama, the Obamacare website. Let that sink in, America. We are one election away from open borders, socialism, gun confiscation, and full-term abortion nationally. This is from the article. We are fighting evil. I wholeheartedly agree. They sent more troops and armament to arrest Roger Stone than they sent to defend Benghazi. This bullet is very telling. 60 years ago, Venezuela was fourth on the World Economic Freedom Index. Today, they are 179th, and their citizens are dying of starvation. In only 10 years, Venezuela was destroyed by Democrat socialism. And you know what? The media doesn't talk about Venezuela anymore. Have you noted that? Here's what I was mentioning earlier. Russia donated $0 to the Trump campaign, but they donated $145,600,000 to the Clinton Foundation. But Trump was the one investigated. Nancy Pelosi invited illegal aliens to the State of the Union. President Trump invited victims of illegal aliens to the State of the Union. Let that sink in. A socialist is basically a communist who doesn't have the power to take everything from their citizens at gunpoint yet. And this, you remember when all the um, people coming in from South America, Central America, you know, they were coming to our border. What happened to all that? But anyway, you know, think about that. How do you walk 3,000 miles across Mexico without food or support and show up at our border, 100 pounds overweight and with a cell phone? AOC wants to ban cars, ban planes, give out universal income, and she thinks socialism works. She calls Donald Trump crazy. Bill Clinton paid $850,000 to Paula Jones to get her to go away. I don't remember the FBI raiding his lawyer's office. Uh, and it goes on. I'll put this in the show notes. But uh, here's one last bullet. The same media that told me Hillary Clinton had a 95% chance of winning in 2016 now tells me that Trump approval ratings are low. Let that one sink in. We need to take action this election. We need to vote in person, and we need to vote red down the ballot. We need to get Democrats and the left out of office. All right, with that, I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to lighten this up, go into our Thirsty Thursdays portion of the show, and talk about the influence of alcohol and politics and, uh, hey, where does your state rank on this as well? With, uh, drinking. All right. See you on the next side of the show. 